Hey, good morning. Uh, I'd like to welcome you to Orchard today. Um, we're glad you're here. And um, if you're new here and uh, want to, I don't know, ask some questions, maybe even just talk to me. I'm the pastor. My name's Ben. Uh, you could, you could uh, pull out a slip of paper in the seat in front of you, uh, write your name, whatever contact info you want. And uh, that, that we, we don't send out church emails like very often, but that's the other way you can get on the church email just to let us know, hey, uh, we'd like to be included on what's going on. So uh, the only other announcement that I have uh, this week is about next week. Uh, I'll still be here, but I need a week off. And so I'm having a good friend of mine from River Community, our sending church. Uh, he's actually in seminary right now, Aaron Lewis. He's going to come and uh, do the teaching and the preaching next week. So uh, yeah, Aaron is a, a great guy, a good friend of mine for about 10 years. And I wanted to introduce you to him today uh, since I won't be on stage next week. So Let's pray, and then we'll jump in to the message this morning. King Jesus, you are the Lord of all of life. You are the King of all kings. And today we, we come to you, uh, just a, a mixture of people. We, we come, many, many of us have committed to living under your kingship and, and we're here today uh, to, to flesh that out, to continue moving that direction. And there are some who, you know, that they're confused or they're, they're seeking um, and we're really glad that they're here. And I pray that they would see you as the good and gracious king that you are. And Lord, uh, help us to connect what happens here with what happens in the rest of our lives because our faith is not compartmentalized. It affects our whole person, our whole life. And, and you are interested in all of it. It all exists for you. So would you speak to us from your word this morning? And we ask this for your glory. Amen. So my son Wyatt is uh, 16 months old and he's really into books lately. He, uh, he'll, he'll, I say, hey, do you want to read a book? And he'll go to the bookshelf and bring me a book and come sit on my lap. And then sometimes he loves turning the pages. Sometimes he'll turn that book open himself right into the middle. He, <laughs> he rarely, rarely like when he turns a page, unless I kind of prep the page for him, he'll rarely just take one page. It's normally a whole glop of pages and the book is over before you know it. Um, but it's a really fundamental thing, right? Just taking one page at a time, flipping it one, one page at a time. And it, it does make a difference even in these children's stories. Like if you just start reading in the middle, you miss context, you miss you miss significant parts of the story. I mean, the adult equivalent would be uh, someone's telling me about a book series that they're reading, and so I'll, I'll go read, uh, you know, The Lord of the Rings. I'll read the last one, and then I'll know how it ends. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, you, you can do that, and there's nothing morally wrong with that, but you're going to miss, you're going to miss a lot of the big picture uh, if you do that. 
with, with series of books. It's, it's the same way with the Bible. And uh, if, we, if we just start in the middle or, you know, just past the middle into the New Testament, uh, we miss a significant piece of the story. And there's still plenty. There's no shame. And if, if, if you're at this place in your spiritual life where, you know, it's like Old Testament doesn't make any sense to me. I just get stuff out of the New Testament. I, I'm not shaming you. That's not my intent at all. Um, you can get everything that you need uh, from the Bible. Like it's, it's, it's for life transformation, not comprehension. So if you're starting in the middle, you can get the melody. Repent. Relationship with God is available. That melody goes throughout the whole story. But what, what I'm trying to say is that uh, w- when we're studying Matthew, and this is our third week in Matthew, when he tells about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, Matthew is encompassing the gospel story. He's, he's placing it in the midst of a broader story. Matthew's emphasis is fulfillment. And so this week, we're going to cover chapter 3 of Matthew. But before we dive into chapter 3, I, I want to give an overview again. And, and the illustration I've been using is like a cornfield, because I'm from Kansas. Um, but if you walk through a cornfield, if you walk through a cornfield, all you're going to see is stalks green on each side of you. And you, won't, you wouldn't know just walking through it uh, if there was any design, any pattern, uh, in the bigger picture of the cornfield, unless you zoomed out. Um, I, got, I got a new one this week. I was thinking about the Great Wall of China, built without power tools, an incredible long structure. And uh, if you're on it, you get some sense of the immensity of this project, you're just standing with your feet on the Great Wall. But if you zoom out, you get an even bigger sense of, whoa, this is a huge, this was a huge project. And of course, you can even see it from outer space. I did not include the outer space picture because it just looks like a little white line. But you can see the, the wall from out of space. And, and what Matthew is, is doing is he's showing Jesus as the fulfillment. Chapter 1, he showed Jesus as the fulfillment of all of God's promises, all of God's purposes, uh, and then last week in chapter 2, we saw the Magi coming to worship the Messiah child. It was a fulfillment of the nations coming to worship the Messiah, as God had said in the prophets long ago. And so we're going to continue kind of looking at a big, uh, a high-level view. Um, and I think as we look at chapters 1 through 7, a high-level view uh, real quickly this morning, we're going to see that there's a lot of similarities between Jesus and and Moses. Um, For example, Moses, as a refresher, he led God's people out of Egypt. And then in chapter 2 of Matthew, Matthew said he applies, out of Egypt I called my son uh, to Jesus when, when Jesus' family moved to Egypt to avoid King Herod and then they moved out of Egypt. And Matthew's applying that to Jesus. And then, uh, you know, Moses crossed the Red Sea and Paul says that Moses and the Israelites, they were baptized in the Red Sea. First Corinthians 10, if you want to read that. And then Matthew 3, we get Jesus's baptism in the Jordan. So the Red Sea was on the way to the promised land. The Jordan was also on the way to the promised land 
when God's people were moving into Canaan. Moses fasted 40 days before receiving the law. He fasted. And Jesus fasted 40 days in the wilderness, Matthew 4. Moses received the law from the mountain, or on the mountain, he received the law from God. And then in Matthew 5, we have Jesus giving the law from the mount. There's these, there's these similarities, right? I mean, at the very least, you got to admit, there's, it, it's, it's interesting. But I think what ties it together is the fact that Moses said, near the end of his life in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, and you must listen to him. So my point in all of this is that Jesus is that prophet like Moses. The whole story of the Bible, the big picture, when we zoom out, it's about Jesus. And if we start in the middle, we, we miss these connections and, and we can know intellectually the whole thing is about Jesus, but, but miss seeing it and enjoying Jesus through the whole story. So, so what? You might say, okay, that's interesting, but so what? Looking at Jesus is what we need to do. That's how we're changed into his image. We need to see him. And if we are to follow him, not just come to church, not just go to small group, and we are all for you coming to church, going to small group, having quiet times, doing those things. But to follow him, we need to see him and know him personally. And so today we're going to look at practically, what does following him even mean? Like, how does that flesh out practically? We'll see this in Matthew 3. John the Baptist says, bear fruit, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And personally, I cannot think of a better single line of what, it, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So we're going to read our passage in Matthew 3. And uh, yeah, here we go. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when they saw, but sorry, but when he saw, John the Baptist saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing. John said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His, winnow 
winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chafe with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. So again, on, on a high level, just Matthew 3, before we dive into it, Matthew 3, what's happening is the fulfillment of old promises that one would come before the Messiah and prepare the way for him. John the Baptist was fulfilling that. And then Jesus came and fulfilled John the Baptist's whole ministry. It basically closed up shop once the Messiah came. And John, he says it in John chapter 3, he says, Jesus must become greater, I must become less. I'm preparing the way, he's here, no more preparing to do. Jesus fulfilled his ministry, and, and then you see at the end, Jesus said, I, I must be baptized to fulfill, there's our word, fulfill all righteousness. So, I just think fulfillment, man, it's, it's all over the place in Matthew. But today, I want us to zoom in on three fundamentals of following Jesus. And they're, they're fundamentals because this is the very beginning of Jesus' life story as told by Matthew and the other gospel writers. But they're also fundamental because if, if we want to do more than say we follow Jesus, these things have to be a regular part of our lives. And in fact, this is what God's Spirit is inviting us into as followers of Jesus. So, Repent is fundamental number one. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was the gospel according to John the Baptist and Jesus. See that in Matthew 4, verse 17. Repent simply means change your thinking. Change your mind. Change your thinking. And this is John's message, John the Baptist. This is what his baptism stood for. People didn't come out to him because he was dressed cool or because uh, he had a good uh, menu of food that he was offering them. <laughs> wild locusts and hunt, wild honey. and not That's not what they came for. People came to John because they really wanted to change. They were serious about it. And then when the Pharisees and Sadducees came, they weren't really interested in changing. And the message of repentance always has opposition to those who don't really want to change. That's true today. And that's why John's phrase, this has always stuck out to me, when John says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, that's, that's the essence of his ministry. And, and I believe we'll see today, Jesus carries that. That's the preparation for following Jesus. If you want to produce fruit, as a follower of Jesus, just keep repenting and, and you will produce fruit. 
You just got to keep with repentance. Keep moving towards Jesus, away from yourself, towards Jesus. The, the first fundamental that I see, and we see this in verses 1 through 12, that the big picture here is repent. Repent. And it's not just something we do one time, it's something we keep after. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Keep changing your mind. Keep challenging and changing your thinking to line up with God's thinking. And, and I, I won't go into this today because I'm not a neuroscientist, but your, your, your brain actually can, your brain actually can connect new neural pathways. The science is there. This isn't just faith stuff that's, you know, up in the air, the second story living. No, it's, it's all connected. We live in a one-story world. Here's the second fundamental that I see in this text is uh, obedience. You know, in, in verses 13 to 15, Jesus arrived, and I think there's this kind of awkward exchange when Jesus says to John, baptize me. And personally, it wouldn't make any sense. I, I, I connect with John the Baptist here. It wouldn't make any sense if I was in his shoes because J- Jesus, um, you know, I'm baptizing for repentance. People who need to change, who have sinned, they're confessing their sins and they're renouncing that, st- that way of living. They're committing to a new way of living. Uh, you're the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus. What are you coming to me to be baptized for? You know, like Jesus didn't have it. He didn't have to repent of anything. He was perfect. And so it just, it just wouldn't make sense to John, to me, uh, to baptize Jesus, you know, for, for repentance at least. If baptism stood for something else, then, then maybe we could talk about that. But this is a baptism for repentance. And so naturally, John refuses, you know, he, he pushes back. And then Jesus says, uh, let it be, this is to fulfill all righteousness. And does that give you a lot of clarity? Like, it basically says, Jesus is saying, no, this, this is right. And this is to fulfill everything that's, that's right. Well, if, if Jesus, if you're my standard of righteousness, if, if you are how I define what's right, then even if it doesn't make sense, I mean, you said it. And, and so ultimately John obeyed. And that's, that's what I believe, you know, kind of verses 13 through 15, what we can take away is John obeyed this is, this is the other side of the coin of true repentance. A real change happens and we move towards obedience. And then after obedience, after obedience, look what happened. The, the third fundamental. We don't just repent and obey and we obey even if it doesn't make sense. We obey because we want closer, deeper, more intimate relationship with God. And that's exactly what happened. The heavens opened. The Father communicated his love for the Son by, by sending his spirit in a dove-like form, lighting on him. And, and ultimately, this is my son whom I love. This is a deeper experience with God that uh, John and everybody there got to be a part of if they wanted to hear it. You see, following Jesus, it's not about just doing the right things, which is repenting and obeying. Um, it's not even about getting to heaven when you die. 
It's not what following Jesus is about. Following Jesus is about knowing him. It's about knowing him. And that's the crucial point that ties all of this together. We don't repent or obey to earn favor with God. We obey because God has given us favor. Jesus is the one that fulfilled all righteousness, so you don't have to carry that mantle. In Jesus' life and in his death on the cross, he paid for our sins with the righteousness of his life. And we walk around covered, covered in that. But even better than walking around covered with his righteousness, we, we get to walk around with him because he's not dead, he's alive. And by his spirit, he continues to teach us how to live. So every time you do repent and obey, you are experiencing God. Whether you feel it or not. Because as Paul says in Philippians 2, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So if you repent of sin, turn towards God, start obeying, you are experiencing God. And we do that over and over. We bear fruit in keeping with repentance because we want to know him more and more. So that's the main application today is bear fruit in keeping with repentance. This is absolutely fundamental to being an apprentice of Jesus, learning to live life, your life, the life that you have, as Jesus would live it if he were you. And Matthew ends on this famous note, at least famous to Christians, the Great Commission, make disciples of all nations. That means to make learners. And how are we supposed to make learners if we don't continue to be learners? If we don't bear fruit in keeping with repentance? This is fundamental stuff, friends. Matthew says, baptize these disciples of all nations. Jesus carried the mark of baptism forward. We don't really see baptism much in Matthew at all, actually at all, until the end. This is the beginning and the end. Jesus is carrying this mark forward to his people. The mark of repentance is the mark of discipleship to Jesus. Baptism. It's a mark. And Jesus says, teach these disciples to do all that I have commanded. Now, nobody does that perfectly, so how are we supposed to do it? Well, in keeping with repentance. We will bear fruit. And so, I'd like to end with two more specific applications today. And the first, the first is simple. Be, be faithful. As people were coming out to the Jordan, out to the wilderness to see this wild guy, John the Baptist, uh, preach and baptize people. Uh, personally, I don't think very many of them knew the implication. Like, they didn't, they didn't know, oh, this is the fulfillment of the prophecies. Those who wanted to experience God, those who wanted life change, they went because they were hungry, because they were thirsty. Um, and we live by faith as well, just like they did back then. 
they didn't understand the full ramifications of God's activity. Even later on, the disciples asked Jesus, who was John? And later on, John the Baptist sent people to ask Jesus, are you, are, are you the one to come or should I expect someone else? Like, we have to be faithful just as they were faithful in the midst of everyday life. Keep on repenting. Keep on moving towards Jesus. And that's the second application. We have to stay after it. Because the same way, the same way that you came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's how you'll grow. Repenting and believing. The same way you came to know him is the same way that you grow as his follower. So I just want to give us some time now at the end of this message uh, right now to, for you to talk with Jesus and maybe ask him, what do I need to repent of? Uh, I want to remind you that God's voice is loving and clear. It's not, it's not a vague sense of condemnation. That's the devil. Um, but he, he loves you too much for us to go on sinning and moving away from him. So spend some time now talking with Jesus and moving towards him. Jesus, thank you for being available uh, to each one of us. We don't earn any merits <laughs> by following you longer. Um, your love is constant and your love is, uh, is good. And, and your love begets some, some discipline in our hearts So you call out sin, you call us to repentance and faith on repeat over and over. And so help us to see the value of continually coming to you so that we can know you more, so that we can learn to hear from you learn to live our lives as you would have us live them if you were in our spot. And we're grateful that as we repent, uh, your kingdom is at hand. You're right here. <laughs>